Last Word is a lifestyle brand focused on all things anti-human trafficking. According to the International Labor Organization, over 260 million children are forced into employment around the world. Making textiles and garments for the demands of fashion trends we see all on social media. This will often come at the price of a child being forced into labor trafficking. Our ambition at Last Word is to reduce the exposure of those who are trafficked around the world, starting with the garment industry. Last Word offers consumers a refreshed look at recycled, repurposed, and reloved fashion trends. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that fashion has a way of circling back around, and not always in the best way. Last Word takes all those unwanted and undesired garments, giving them a little TLC or repurpose to create a divine collection you will feel confident, amazing, and inspired in when wearing. Follow Last Word on Instagram at lastword underscore by SL and visit us online at lastwordbysl.com to get your latest fashion trends everyone will be sure to ask you about. Human Trafficking True Crime covers the exploitation of men, women, and children across the world. Subject matter may not always be suitable for children or those dealing with mental health issues. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been trafficked, please contact the Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233 Subway in the late 1990s was a struggling, dying brand to some, until they crossed paths with Jared Fogle, a man who lost over 200 pounds by only eating sandwiches from the franchise. This launched Jared Fogle into the limelight as he became the brand's national spokesperson, until his demise and fall after being convicted on child exploitation charges. Tonight, we give the victims of Jared Fogle the last word. Welcome, welcome. We're back. We haven't been shut down yet. How's it going? Not yet. That's so true. (laughs) I feel like one day it'll... We'll have like men in suits knocking on our doors. (laughs) Oh, man. So I know we have a couple crazy news stories to get to. You want to start? Yeah. The only one that I have currently is uh, the Ohio derailed, derailed train. Yes. Which... Is crazy because they were evacuating people for like noxious fumes escaping into the water supply and in the air. It's wild. And then you were also telling me earlier today about the balloons. <laughs> oh yeah. It's the- like, and then we we pivoted from that to what the hell is going on in the world? Like things yeah. are just getting the UFOs crazier. getting shot down in the U.S. Canadian border. Yeah, we've got UFOs. <laughs> we've got freaking train derailments. All the things going on here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad. We live in a crazy world. So the other crazy news story I'm going to say, and we were talking about this earlier, is here locally for us, we have a pawn shop that's not far from the house that we record in. 
or the studio, I should say, that we record in. Um, and in fact, I actually drive by this pawn shop every time I come downtown to where this area is. Like anytime I'm coming down here, that is the route I take. And unfortunately, yesterday morning, um, I don't even know the date, the 14th. Oh my gosh, it was Valentine's Day. Yeah. So we're recording this a couple weeks early, but on February 14th, the pawn owner was shot around 9.30 a.m. And they don't have any suspects in custody at the moment. They have three black males that were all dressed in black hoodies and blue jeans that police are saying jumped out of a red late model Ford Escape SUV. And they rushed the pawn shop, confronted the owner, shot him, and then jumped back in the car and left. Uh, so I wanted to bring that just up today because that's like a stone's throw away from where we are. Right. And it's all within the same vicinity of our area. And yes, it's not human trafficking related, but this is our town. And this this man has owned this pawn shop for a significant amount of time. Yeah. And the community is definitely rallied behind him and his family as well. Oh, totally. And the way on the drive-in today, I... I drove past and there's flowers everywhere and I thought that was very cool to see our little town step it up like that because we're not a big town we're not a small town but we are surrounded by a bunch of other towns so there's a lot of people so it's cool to see our community come together and like do that for someone even though we're in the burbs and we don't all necessarily know each other Mm -hmm. still really sad so if anyone has any information on that they are asked to call the Louisville Police Department tip line at 972-219-8477. And hopefully we can get some justice for him. But tonight we are going to talk about the justice, or in my opinion, lack of hmm. Jared Fogel. You know who he is, Megan? Yes. <laughs> I feel like the majority of our people should know who he is. Jared Fogel was born on August 23rd, 1977 in Indianapolis, Indiana to Norman and Adrini Fogel. He was the oldest of their three children, and he actually grew up in an Orthodox Jewish home. And I read in the research for this case that he had his bar mitzvah in Israel, which I that thought, doesn't surprise me. I thought that was kind of cool. I know I some know. Jewish people that have not. That's I feel like that's kind of a big deal to go. Oh yeah, to go. At least there, it would be for my family. From what he grow. looks like, like that just doesn't surprise me. I don't know that he would go to Israel. No, that he would be Jewish. Oh, okay. So, (laughs) people understand when they see him. Yeah. He kind of looks like Adam Sandler in a way to me. Yeah, kind of. So, yeah, he had his bar mitzvah apparently in Israel. He went on to graduate high school in 1995 from North Central High in Indiana. And then he went to Indiana University where he was getting a business major and then ultimately graduated in 2000. Now, Jared Fogel had struggled with some childhood obesity, and after he went to college, he topped off at 425 Jeez. pounds, and that was in the spring of 1998, so it would have been like his sophomore year. Now, oh my God, 425 pounds. I, I know. Okay, so you know how in America we have the freshman 15, you've heard of that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't... 
I'm sure they probably have something that they College call 20. something similar in other countries. But in America, we have this thing called the freshman 15. The idea in theory is that college freshmen typically gain 15 pounds their first year. Did mm-hmm. you? Well, you just said freshman 20. Is that, I'm assuming the same thing. Yeah. Like they've just upped the, the yeah. weight limit now. It's 20. Yeah, and it's 15. 20. <laughs> um, no, I didn't actually. Look good for you. I I have gained mine after college. <laughs> I can say that successfully I did not gain the freshman 15. I superseded expectations and went freshman 30. Oh. <laughs> I was like, let's do this. Go big or go home. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. So I've since lost that. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with it. But Jared Fogle obviously gained way more than 15 pounds throughout his college career and then by the spring his spring break in 1998 Jared makes like a daily walk every day to the subway that's at the corner and I read that his apartment wall actually like one of the walls in his apartment was shared with subway so I think he literally lived right next door and then the subway was on the corner Okay, in his college town. So he makes this trip daily and while he's at Subway, decides that he's going to make a change, that he's going to stay on a strict diet of Subway sandwiches only, replacing his normal diet by only eating two Subway sandwiches a day. <laughs> One at 3 p.m., which I guess would be like his lunch, he would order a foot-long veggie sub with like a Diet Coke and some chips. And at dinner, he would do the exact same thing, but he would get a six-inch turkey sub, a bag of potato chips, and a Diet Mountain Dew, which Diet Mountain Dew is so yeah, gross. I don't even it's like, like the Mountain worst. Dew. Mountain Dew is gross. so bad. Mountain Dew is like the worst of the worst. But I always think, what what does he say? I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew <laughs> from Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Talladega not, Nights. I've not seen that. You've never seen Talladega Nights? No. <laughs> no. OMG, you've got to Is like. Is that a TV show? No, it's a movie with um that really funny guy that's in a lot of movies. <laughs> wow. That um, really narrowed it down for me. Thanks. Man, I'm, I don't know. this. I'm not the person to be asking that, but he's <laughs> shake and bake. Are you kidding me? Five pound. Eight ounce infant baby Jesus in the manger. Oh my gosh. Okay, you've got to watch Talladega Nights. It's a movie. I can't, I can see the guy's name. He's like a funny comedian. He was in that anchor movie. Will Ferrell? Yeah, Will Ferrell. Oh, that's why I haven't seen it. I don't like him. Okay, moving right along. (laughs) So he replaces his diet of, I think I had read that he ate like 10,000 calories a day. So he replaces it with these two sandwiches. And I always wondered this growing up because Jared was real popular when I was younger. Like, I remember when he kind of had his claim to fame. Um, Did he put mayonnaise and cheese and all the things on his sandwiches? But no, he did not. I actually read that in this in one of the reports. Ooh, a dry? He would have mustard on it, but he wouldn't put any type of cheese, mayonnaise, or oil. And I'm with you. I cannot have a sandwich without (laughs) some mayonnaise. Like, no, Some mayonnaise? how I said it I've always been made fun of of how I say mayonnaise mayonnaise I don't even know and uh it's mayo uh, mayo kindergarten 
Kin- kindergarten. Kindergarten. Okay. Kindergarten, mayonnaise, and uh, what was there? There was one more, like furniture. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I used to get made fun of all the time for those. Ooh, so, okay. F off. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you made a comment of woman the other day. That was real funny. Woman. Yeah. <laughs> so, in a year's time, Jared lost over 245 pounds. He stuck to this diet. Legit became a whole new person. He lost so much weight and changed. That changes your appearance drastically. That when he ran into his freshman dorm roommate, Ryan Coleman, he didn't even recognize Jared. Jeez. I mean, I kind of, I mean, I've lost. You do change a lot. Yeah. I mean, most people know that listen that are close with us. Like, no, I've lost 75 pounds. And like, I definitely have had people tell me I look completely different. So can you imagine losing 255 pounds? Like, whoa. Like you said, that's legitimately a whole person. Other person. It really is. Ryan report. Ryan Coleman was a reporter for the Indiana Daily Student on campus, and after re- running into Jared, decided that he wanted to do a story in the Daily Student, and he on Jared, and he called it "From Thick to Thin." And I, I would say this is the moment that changed Jared's life forever because after that story ran in the student daily or the daily student, Jared was then featured in a men's health article titled Stupid Diets That Work where a Chicago-based Subway franchise saw the story and took it to Subway's advertising agency in Chicago. Hmm. They see it, they do their testing, and then on January 1st, 2000, Subway introduces Jared to the world with a disclaimer stating, the Subway diet, combined with a lot of walking, worked for Jared. We're not saying this is for everyone. You should check with your doctor before starting any diet program, but it worked for Jared. Jared went on to tell the Herald Times columnist uh, Mike Leonard in 2000 that Quote, I was really feeling low, just feeling bad about myself across the board, and I was standing there at Subway Sandwich Shop reading a sign advertising there are seven sandwiches with six grams of fat menu. It just sort of dawned on me. I liked Subway. Maybe this could be a way I could lose weight. I could not eat Subway two times a day. I couldn't. Full disclaimer, I absolutely don't like Subway. Every fucking Subway I have ever been into has the exact same, I don't know what it is, smell when I walk in that makes me want to gag. The smell inside Subway. I don't know if it's like the shit they clean or what it is, but every Subway has this distinct grotesque (laughs) smell that I can't get past that I'm like, I don't want to eat in here. I, I don't know. Yeah. I like Subway. I haven't had Subway in years. Years. Jersey Mike's. No. I don't really like Subway places. I don't like, go I don't to like sandwich, sandwich yeah. places. If I had to, if I had to get a sandwich, I'm going with like a Jersey Mike's or... Slotchkeys. I don't know that I've ever eaten at a Slotchkeys. Good stuff. Panera Bread. Mm, that's a good one. So by this point... Jared has helped Subway increase their sales in by 18% in that first year alone. So in 2000, January 2001, they run this ad. By the end of 2000, 
I'm sorry, January 1st, 2000, they run Jared's first ad. And by the end of 2000, Subway's sales increased 18%. It further increased an additional 16 the following year. So he totally helped Subway get back on the map. Yeah, he was a marketing point for them. He was a really good marketing point for them. Even though, you know, a lot of walking, okay. To 20 feet next yeah. door. Actually, do, I did read that after he started the diet um, and he lost like the first little bit of weight, he, he did start walking more on oh, campus. Okay. He wouldn't take the trans transportation systems or anything. So I did read that, but how much walking are we talking about? And he didn't walk to Subway. Like it's right next door. <laughs> By 2004, Fogel established a nonprofit organization called the Jared Foundation. And the goal was to provide educational grants and teaching tools to help fight childhood obesity in school. Jared Fogel goes on to hire a man named Russell Taylor who is to manage the Jared Foundation. He hires him in 2008 as the executive director of the Jared Foundation. Together, the pair of them travel under the foundation's mission of helping fight childhood obesity. Hmm. Fogel would attend schools, speaking to children about obesity, attend community engagements, sponsor events, things like that. He's out in the public Interacting with children, talking about childhood obesity and all the things. But we know these two sickos are doing a lot more than just their public persona of helping to. Yes, exactly. Fight childhood obesity. They just now have a platform to stand on. Mm -hmm. Throughout his career with Subway, Jared Fogle was in 300 commercials. He appeared in countless television shows. He guest starred in movies. He even went on to write an autobiography titled Jared, the Subway Guy, <laughs> Winning Through Losing, 13 Lessons to Turning Your Life Around. <laughs> Bro, did you pick the title and like foresee your own future? Because the title for me, I can't even <laughs> handle it. I was laughing so hard when I read the title. I'm winning like, through winning through losing, 13 lessons to turning your life around. Bro, are you going to do one for Jared? The pedophile guy winning through losing 13 lessons from turning your life from <laughs> being a pedo to not. That would be his volume two, obviously. Right. Yeah. So he wrote this autobiography. And by this point, he's getting paid anywhere from five to $10,000 for personal appearances. And his net worth is around $15 million. Wow. 5000 to 10000 just to speak. Who wants to pay me? $15 million, dang. Who wants to pay me to talk about human trafficking? Because I will gladly take 10000 I will take <laughs> five and give five back to the charity. <laughs> I will cut my pay in half. <laughs> the Power Project Collectives wants you to step into your purpose, own your gifts, and take action. This amazing organization is filled with drive, mission, and determination to end human trafficking. Shop the Power Project Collective where you can support socially responsible female business owners working to end human trafficking through transitional employment, mentorship, scholarship funds, and more. Last Word is proud to be a part of the Power Project Collective and to share these amazing gifts and talents of so many. Check them out at 
thepowerproject.com and help make a difference in a survivor's life. Claims against Jared Fogle started way back in 2007 when a journalist and radio host named Rochelle Herman Walrand was a journalist in Sarasota, Florida. She had met Fogle while he was attending a middle school. He was there speaking about childhood obesity. She goes to police after he made comments and remarks to her about the younger middle school aged girls. So she then went on to befriend Fogel and started recording the remarks that he mm, made. Smart lady. Saved his text messages and then was like, I'm just going to go straight to the FBI. And yes, smart lady. Mm-hmm. She was like, I know what's up here. Mm-hmm. I ain't going to let that go. Yeah. Kudos to her. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Kudos to her for seeing something, saying something, and then realizing they're not going to do anything or we need more information. So she takes this initiative to start recording conversations, text messages, and then sends it to the FBI. The FBI then turns around and says, cool, can you, to Rochelle, can you then record more conversations with Fogel for the next four years so that we can gather more information. Now, I don't think they turned around and said, hey, for four years, we're going to do this. They they went to her with, we need you to record more. And that ended up lasting for four years. She is hiding the fact that she's recording their conversations. And the FBI is saying that's just part of an ongoing investigation. Hmm. And that went on for four years. Wow. I don't know if I could do that for four years. Well, I mean, the think about the frustration of you're this journalist who has this information, has been told inappropriate things, and now you've taken it upon yourself to get more information. You do the right thing by going to the FBI with that information. They now want you to start getting more information, and then it's an additional four years at that point. Mm-hmm. So how long was it from when she originally got the first remark from from Jared Fogle to when she went to the FBI. You know what I mean? It's probably way more than that. It's probably We're talking probably five or six years. Yeah, that she had to be in a fake friendship right. with this guy. It's sad because it's like, and you also know that he's going to continue, he's continually be abusing others while this ongoing investigation is happening. She mm. reports that he... She reports that she has recordings of him making several remarks about having had sex with underage girls and asking the journalist, Rochelle, to install a webcam in her child's room. What the f- no. So he could watch them. At that point, I feel like I would lose my crap and, like, beat the crap out of him. Like, I'm not waiting How for How do you FBI. laugh that? Ha, ha, ha. No. Like, what? What? <laughs> What As do you a mom, say when they say no to that? What do you... I don't know. How How would you keep... What did you... I have no words. <laughs> I mean, he's probably... I think what you're trying to say is... How, one, how does someone ask that of someone else? And B, what does that person's response to that person? Yeah, because like, you what have it, to can you keep it connection with him right and so i feel like if someone makes those comments they're probably gonna make like oh i'm just joking and then you're gonna laugh it off and you're like okay i 
I'm uncomfortable, but he says he's joking. <laughs> no, like, I don't, I, disgusting. what am I supposed to, I don't know. That's fucking disgusting. Yeah. Well, if they make inappropriate comments like that, they probably are doing it. And they're just wanting to know if you're on the same sicko page as them. Mm. Can they trust you or not? Birds of a feather flock together. Ugh. Sadly, the FBI does nothing. Either they don't want to, they could not, would not. They don't pursue oh any charges back when this was going on against Jared Fogel. So life goes on. He's, you know, secretly being recorded for a few more years and then that stops. Yeah, probably because she just couldn't handle it anymore. Right, but also the FBI basically was saying they couldn't, they couldn't press any more charges because they didn't have enough information and enough of enough to go off of the recordings. So nothing happens. Mm. Then in September of 2014, a woman who's being reported as a Jane Doe went to state police in Indiana telling them that 43-year-old Russell Taylor, a friend of hers, and someone that she had a connection with, could be a relationship, it's total room for speculation on what they're actual relationship was but taylor the executive director of the jared foundation offered to send her images and content of underage children via text messages she also then oh this is the sick part i mean it's all sick really it just gets even sicker she then tells police that she had deep concerns about Taylor's involvement in bestiality and other inappropriate sexual matters. I mean, it's not something we've gotten into too much, actually, I think at all. Um, if anything, the only thing we've ever talked about is Ranch Hand Rescue, which is one of the nonprofits that we're connected with that rescues abused animals abused animals of all kind Mm. um and then they partner those uh those animals in a therapy with boys that have been sex trafficked so it's like a double therapy for the animal and the person but we've never actually like gotten into the bestiality side of things and it's nasty (laughs) thank god we're not doing too much of that in this that's pretty much all it is i couldn't find anything that led to them finding any type of bestiality stuff but she for whatever reason had additional concerns around that and other inappropriate sexual matters Mm -hmm. with the help of this woman investigators from the indiana crimes against children task force they get enough evidence to obtain a search warrant oh for taylor's home he's living in the 1300 block of salem creek boulevard at that exact same day, April 29th, 2015, investigators executing the search warrant find pictures of children in sexually exploited situations. And so they arrested him that day. Good. Totally good. Totally great. I think that's awesome. Like, bam, they got in, found stuff, and he is arrested immediately. Fogel, Jared Fogel, releases a statement that day. Later that day, in response to Taylor's arrest, and it says, quote, I was shocked to learn of the disturbing allegations against Mr. Taylor. Effective immediately, the Jared Foundation is severing all ties with Mr. Taylor. Kick a bucket of fucking liquid shit, Jared Fogel. Like, no. Like, 
I had no idea. Oh, I'm Gas shocked. Lighter. Right. I'm shocked to learn of the disturbing allegations against Mr. Taylor. Fuck off. Like, you can just go sit in a liquid bucket of horse shit. Like, you're a loser. <laughs> really like that analogy. <laughs> so annoying when they try to play face. Like, dude, first of all, We'll get into that later. I just wonder, why are you trying to play face? You're messing with the FBI. Do you think the FBI is going to be able to get bought off and that's why you're trying to play face? Because then I have questions around that. Like, I just, mm -hmm. you know you were doing this. Like, you have to know that the FBI is going to come down on you unless you're able to buy them off and that's why you're playing face. But mm -hmm. I don't know if that's factual. What I do know is that through forensic diagnostics of Russell Taylor's computer, his devices, they uncovered over 400 images and videos of sexual exploitation of children, secret recordings of underage children, some of them being family member, text messages, communications, emails between Fogel and Taylor talking about their actions, making plans, arranging drugs, all, the whole nine. Jeez. They find content that Taylor himself produced. And would then share with Fogel of the children that he was exploiting. And they found content that he found offline, purchased, and downloaded. One source I read, though, Megan, stated, and I quote, as well as commercially made sexual porn, excuse me, as well as commercially made child porn. And when I read that statement, I was like, there's so much wrong with what? this statement. Like, first of all, it's not child porn because children can't consent to porn. And that's like a whole nother basket of issues. But also, like, I don't understand the commercially made. That just sounds like that a... Doesn't, yeah, that was a poor choice of words. Right? Doesn't it sound like, oh, come on down to Route 66 and yeah. get your kicks where you can find whatever you want. And like, it's just, no. Yeah, I just was, commercially yeah, it was made. It's definitely a poor choice of words on yeah. someone's part. It's not child porn, though. And I will say on a side note, I'm going to be sharing a link in the bio or in the case description notes, thingies, whatever it's called. For a petition for everyone to sign. We're trying to get people to sign this petition so that we can get legislative legislation started to stop using the legal term child pornography and to change it to CSAM, which I'm still not a fan of the acronym of it, but it's Child Sexual Exploitation Material, I believe, or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it stands for, and I should know, and that sounds really bad. Either way, we want to help not use this term, so I'm going to have that link. Y'all go, go sign it. Mm -hmm. But they find all this stuff, and Taylor is charged with seven counts of Production of child pornography, which is the legal terms, that's why I'm saying that, and one count of child, um, one count of possession of child pornography. So, court documents go on to say that Taylor filmed both boys and girls, some of them as young as nine years old, inside his house with hidden cameras. They after they arrest Taylor in May of 2015, it takes investigators an additional two months before they then search Jared Fogel's home. Oh, God. Right? Even though they had evidence that he was sent stuff. 
I don't know what all they found on day one. I know that when they searched Russell Taylor's home, they found enough to arrest him. Then the investigation and the diagnostic of the forensics of the computer and all the things start unraveling all this stuff. I just think two months is a long time. You you probably had something day one or within the first five days to obtain a search warrant for Fogel's home. Right. But for whatever reason you decided to wait two months, I again, I, I don't know why. I don't know that I agree with it. It also could have been longer. So two months, that may have just been how long it was taking them to get through all of the computer correspondence. Right. They probably, too, were waiting for enough to where it was like, Okay, let's move. Go, go, go. But two months, I think, gives Fogel enough time to destroy of material that he has in his own house. But he obviously didn't. <laughs> well, he did not. Well, I mean, yeah, I would say he didn't, but I mean, he, they did still find stuff. So they searched Fogel's home on July 7th, 2015. On the day that investigators are searching Fogel's home, Subway released a statement stating that we are shocked about the news and believe it is relevant to a prior investigation of a former former Jared Foundation employee. We are very concerned and will be monitoring the situation closely. Obviously, Subway drops Jared later on as a sponsor and remove him from all aspects of their advertising and website when... Federal agents find thousands of pictures of child exploitation content on his computers at his thousands. home. Thousands. In August of 2015, Jared Fogel entered a plea agreement and the United States Attorney's United States Attorney Josh Minkler stated, Fogel has admitted in court pleadings that he received child pornography involving multiple minors living in Indiana and other countries over the course of several years. His child pornography crimes began when he learned that alleged co-conspirator Russell Taylor was sexually exploiting a 14-year-old girl in March of 2011. Mm. He goes on to say that at the time, Mr. Fogel did nothing to stop the abuse or report it to authorities, but chose instead to receive... And repeatedly view the content involving the minors and that those minors produced by his alleged co-conspirators. So, like, all the content that they had. Right. In total, Fogel admitted to victimizing 12 minors in Indiana. Fogel has also admitted in court papers that he repeatedly traveled to other states to engage in commercial sex acts with victims he knew were underage. So after like all of this, he's they find all of this stuff out. You have the attorney general, right, making this statement and he says that in court Fogel admitted that his child pornography crime began when he learned that alleged co-conspirator Russell Taylor Oh yeah, in 2011. In just, 2011. He just got the stuff from you know, Russell. Right. But they're saying that it didn't, that it, his, his exploitation didn't start until 2011. But we know that that's a lie oh, yeah. because from 2007 until 2015, 
It's been reported that Fogel repeatedly engaged in internet social networking and traveling to other states for the purpose of engaging in commercial sexual acts with at least two underage minors. He did this by using email accounts, social networking, websites containing advertisements for escort services, erotic dancers, online massages. The list goes on and on. He traveled to New York City to engage in sexual commercial sex with a 17-year-old female that occurred at the Plaza Hotel where he was staying. He goes on to text the girl the following day. Later in December of 2012, he sent that same victim another text message, like arranging the setup and the whole thing. In January of 2013, Fogel engaged in commercial sex with the same victim at a Ritz-Carlton in New York where he was staying. The victim provided Fogel... The victim told Fogel, like, she, he knew her age. She told him her age before they met, and he knew that she was not 18 years old. So we know he's doing all of this shit before his co-conspirator. Right. Russell Taylor. Just such a weird Came name. into the picture and, I guess, gave him that stuff and what he's probably saying that he corrupted his mind or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to get into my theories here in just a minute, but it's I think it's very interesting their choice of words after Fogel entered the plea agreement and what he is publicly saying that he is admitting to. Mm-hmm. We can break that down here in a minute, but the Jared Foundation executive director Russell Taylor had a psychological assessment done in court or wasn't he had it done and then the records were included in the court records. So his medical findings were included in the court records. I'm like all tongue twisted right now. (laughs) Um, In this, it contains allegations that Fogel wanted Taylor to get him date rape drugs to use on kids. And that Fogel would say to Taylor, daddy needs some pictures. (coughs) I kind of want to throw up. I just gagged. Did you hear that? Yeah. That was nasty. When I was reading this, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That is just makes me want to effing vomit. And it also makes me want to hug the investigators that have their job and their task and their duty is to sit and sift through these images and this content of these children that are getting violently raped and abused that is not an easy effing job. No. And if I'm going to gag at just him saying, daddy needs some pictures, like, there's no way. I would never be able to do that job. No. No. Mm-hmm. No. No. They need a pay raise. I don't even know what they're getting paid, but they need a pay raise. Yeah. And they need at least a half year vacation. Taylor pleads guilty to 12 counts of producing child pornography. Again, that's legal term. And one count of of distributing child pornography. He was sentenced to 27 years in 2015. However, Taylor appealed his conviction and a judge vacated the sentence in 2020. U.S. District District Court Judge Tanya Pratt, who is the same judge that sentenced Taylor in the first place, found that Taylor's defense lawyer, Brad Banks, was ineffective as he failed to challenge three charges that were not supported by the legal facts in the case against Taylor. So investigators have to do a subsequent reinvestigation into Taylor 
at this point, and then they discover evidence that implicates Taylor's ex-wife, Angela Baldwin. (laughs) Or she also goes by Angela Taylor. So he is complaining about his lawyer. Right. Judge is like, you know what? You're right. We're going to take the <laughs> sentence away. We're going to, you know, you're right. Reinvestigate. And then the the investigators are like, great. Now we have to go back to the drawing board and find something. And so they get, they do that. And through the process of that, they're like, you know what? And now we're going to slap some crap on your wife as well. Because she is also God. involved in this. Good. Taylor pleads guilty in June of 2021 to multiple offenses, including 24 counts of producing child sexual abuse material, conspiracy to possess visual images of minors engaging in sexually explicit conduct. He also admitted that between 2011 and 2015, he placed hidden cameras to record sexual conduct and that he was involved in sexual conduct with children Taylor also admitted to sharing those videos and pictures with Baldwin, his wife, and Jared Fogle, and at least two other people. The plea agreement refers that he victimized nine minors between the ages of nine years old and 17. After this, he was convicted. He was sentenced to 324 months in prison. Why? yeah, because he's not going to, I mean, he's going to get out. That's only yeah, that's 27 years or something, give or take. That's not that long. 324 months. So Taylor is in a prison and Taylor's ex-wife, Angela Baldwin, is also then indicted by a federal grand jury. And she is charged in October of 2020 with two counts of sexual exploitation of a minor an attempted sexual exploitation of a minor, one count of conspiracy to produce visual depictions of a minor engaging in sexual explicit conduct, and one count of possession of visual depictions of minors engaging in sexual explicit conduct. Both of them got divorced in 2017, and she was sentenced to 400 months, which is... Wow. What did you say? 400 months is 33 years. So 324 is what? 27. 27. Mm -hmm. So she gets more. Right. What what part of the sentence makes her get more? I have no idea. But what's funny is originally I think he only got 24 years. And then he like bitched about shit. They (laughs) threw additional charges at him. And then he got more time. Oh, and, and your wife gets more. Now listen, if she is... Heavily involved and deserving of her her sentence. I'm all for that. I'm just wondering, like you're stating, it's it's odd to see a female in this sense get more sentencing than the male. Right. Is it because she was producing it? It they don't I didn't go into like that type of detail on like the breakdown okay. of what her hmm. her reasonings were i'm sure there is i think what i ended up reading was that they both kind of were like in on it but also if they're getting divorced and then all of a sudden he's gonna come back and charge all these i kind of wonder if he wasn't like throwing his own wife under the bus like yeah you want to divorce me and take things like all right i'm gonna like throw your ass under the bus but i think they probably were all in it together so it doesn't matter they're both convicted 
Jared Fogel then enters a plea deal agreement with the government. And Fogel, who's only 38 at this point, is convicted of distributing and receiving child pornography and traveling in interstate commerce to engage in unlawful commercial sex acts with minors. He is only sentenced to 188 months, which is 15 and a half-ish years. And he's ordered to pay $1.4 million in restitution to his victims. He is serving, currently serving his time in a minimum minimum security prison in Littleton, Colorado. And his projected release date is March 24th, 2029. No, no. Which no. is not that far away. I was just thinking, I was like, man, I hope they're having a shit time in prison. Because they, they hate child abusers. They do. And you're, and you're, you're a political, not a political, you're a, a, they pop know culture who you person. Are. Yeah. yeah. You're someone who's well known in the pop cultural era, if you will. Uh it's disgusting that he only got 188 that months. Is and I think it's disgusting, disgusting that he went into a plea deal. But Indiana State Police Superintendent Doug Carter stated the Jared Fogel chapter is now closed with the announcement of his sentencing and his removal from free society. But tragically, we know sexual crimes against children won't end. There are others who think they won't be caught. And I like that quote, so I wanted mm -hmm. to add it because I don't really like this next quote. And this quote came from the justice.gov. They put out all their case information, and I was using it as a source. And the FBI special agent in charge, W.J. Abbott, said... As with all child pornography cases, the FBI Im investigates these cases with a sense of urgency due to the extreme vulnerability of the victims involved, our children. <laughs> this case demonstrates that commitment to investigate those who would possess child pornography. The FBI looks forward to continuing its work on such matters with the United States Attorney's Office, the Indiana State Police, and the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department. I'm calling total bullshit because BS. your case does not demonstrate the commitment to investigate these with urgency. No, because you had evidence in 2007. Thank you. And you chose not. You had recordings. You had text messages. We know for this. For at least four years. Yeah. You had at least four. So bullshit statement and you can shove that and kick rocks because I just think that that's absolutely ridiculous. After all of this, it was revealed that the foundation, the Jared Foundation, did not pay any grants. And that was like part of their promise was to provide grants. So they didn't pay any grants. And they didn't even pay the $5 registration fee to the state of Indiana <laughs> as part of like being a, a foundation. Charity Watch President Daniel, I'm going to butcher his last name. I, okay, okay. He explained that the organization was really focused, that the organization wasn't really focused on helping children. He says, quote, if Jared was really interested in helping children through his foundation, he could have gotten more money. As with a lot of celebrities, the charity appears to be more about an image enhancement than charitable deeds. I thought the first part of that quote was weird when he was like, he could have got more money. 
I just thought that was weird. I get what he's saying, though. Yeah. But I think the second part of that is actually a pretty powerful statement. And yeah, bro, a lot of celebrities and politicians and political people and people in power put up this front of a, a nonprofit or a charity. And right. I mean, technically by law, they may or may, you know, not they everyone's actually doing dedicated, anything wrong. You know, the time and the money needed, they could really help a lot of people and it would be more rewarding in the long run. But they don't. They only care about themselves. Their image. Right. And again, I'm not saying that you can, there are people that toe the line when it comes to like foundational stuff and 501c3s and all of that. I can't speak on the ins and outs of it because that's not my forte, but I understand that you can do things that may not, it's legal, but it's not ethically looking like a mm -hmm. great choice. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I get that. But he definitely, I mean, bro, you can't even pay the $5 registration fee. Like five, mm. five dollars. The five, is, isn't Subway five dollar foot long? Five. Five dollar foot long. Any, any, any five. Anyways. I uh, do want to say that through researching for this case, I, one, didn't realize that how long ago this happened. I honestly thought this happened like a couple, three years ago. Well, I thought it did too because I was just sitting there. I was like, I wonder what happened to that guy. But then I realized that I was thinking about a different guy. And then I had to go back and research this a little bit more. Yeah. I didn't realize how long ago this happened. And I didn't really dive into the case when it came out so that I actually learned a lot I had no idea that the entire investigation around Fogel really started with Russell Taylor like I had no idea I did not know that he had a wife who was also arrested so I found that really interesting and through the research of all of this I actually learned that ID is going to premiere a three-part documentary called Jared from Subway Catching a Monster on March 6th, so Monday, March 6th, they are going to be running that, I think, at like 8 or 9 Central Standard Time. Just look it up on ID. So I'm going to watch that because apparently they're supposed to have the journalist, they interviewed the journalist, Rochelle, who went to the FBI in 2007. Good. And then they also interview Taylor's stepdaughters Ugh. who were victims of Fogel. And the article said... They interview Taylor's stepdaughters who were victims of Fogel and their stepfather will be interviewed. So I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because how, how does that work? If, if his, I'm assuming that wasn't their mother then that got arrested. I, I guess it wouldn't be their mother, Angela. His wife, Russell Taylor's right. wife, also got arrested. So if they have a stepdad, they must that must be that must have been their stepmom. I don't know. Taylor's Taylor's no. His stepdaughters are gonna be interviewed <laughs> well, with yeah. their stepfather. So, so I wanna watch it just so to figure Taylor that wasn't out. Taylor wasn't their dad. But Angela's their mom. I don't know if Angela's their mom. And if Angela's their mom, why do they have a stepdad if they were married? <laughs> the pair were married when this was going on. Maybe it's the before. 
Well, I'm thinking that Angela may not be their stepmom. Maybe may their stepmom okay. yeah. and not their we mom. Gotta, we don't know. We're going to have to check it out. out. It's weird. <laughs> but the point is there's going to be victims that are interviewed and some adults around the case. So that's coming out in March. That would be good. I'm going to have to figure that out because it doesn't make... I didn't understand that Taylor's stepdaughters would be interviewed with their stepfather. <laughs> so are they interviewing him? Like Russell? Yeah. Oh, my God. Maybe that's what they're saying. <laughs> if that is their stepfather. I don't know. Clearly, I'm super tired. Their stepfather. Okay, we're just spending we're, too much. Well, we will just <laughs> watch we it. Digress. And try, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's really all we've got on the Fogel subway debacle. I think we might learn some more information with this ID thing, but also I'm not holding my breath because sometimes I feel like they just regurgitate information in a more appealing way. And it's right. like, you no, 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 you know, background music they give you. When you think that you're learning more information, but you're <laughs> really visual. not. Yeah. <laughs> wow, this is so cool. Well, that's how like the no. Chilla Coffee one was. Like the dramatic, over the top dramatic reenactment scenes were like, a little too much. Right. We're trying to have a, a serious conversation and it's like, right. you're getting a little too dramatic in the scene. So, okay. but what are your, I, I mean, I think I'm going to watch it around. I'm going to watch the ID thing when it comes out next month, but maybe we'll learn something more. But what we know now, what are your thoughts on this case? I'm really glad that we covered it. Cause I feel like, um, it's hard to cover and hold responsible public figures. And it's almost kind of nice to see one that wasn't necessarily an A-list celebrity, but someone that was up there getting their due service, even if it wasn't as long as we want it to be. But who knows what will happen in 2029. Right. Fogel could not make it out, so. I would hope not. I think he would be in his late 50s, I think is what I read. I have a couple issues with this case. Like, yes, I'm fortunate that the players and actors involved were arrested and charged and are, you know. It could have definitely happened sooner. That's my problem, sure. yeah. Like, yeah. I'm frustrated at that whole FBI case from 2007. Like, what right. in the actual hell? Like, what happened there? Like, why was the ball dropped in that situation? Right! Like, who are you... To me, then, if you are saying that you couldn't use the videos to get a warrant, that's literally what the task force in indiana did so i'm really confused mm -hmm. because you're sitting here saying that you can't charge him with the video recording evidence that the journalist had but literally that's what the chick right. in indiana did so who's lying here and if you didn't charge him is there a reason you didn't charge him is it because maybe he knew something maybe because he has additional blackmail on people but also his sentencing has, like, nothing – it's all child pornography charges, which is the legal term, and I obviously don't like that term, but there's nothing really that states human tracking to me. They do say that he has, like, the commercial – what was it? A commercial sexual acts, but it's, like, where are the human charging – human tra right, trafficking because charges because they're minors. 
the remainders, and he he did state that he went across state lines to get sexual acts performed. Right. But again, he doesn't have to go over state lines for it to be human trafficking, but we know he went to New York. Yes, he did do that, but we also know that any time a person engages in any type of commercial sex with a minor it's automatically human trafficking so yeah you don't have to prove force fraud or coercion when they're a minor so why is the da and the state attorney and all the people and powers that be not going after him for charges against human human trafficking trafficking. like i just didn't understand and then i'm like well was that all part of your plea agree plea agreement you jared fogel entered a plea agreement okay well were the victims and the families of Fogel aware of this plea agreement? Did they know that they could go after him for human trafficking charges? Probably not, no. No, because these are the same type of things that we saw with Jeffrey Epstein's case. Right. The FBI dropped his case well before he even fell on the radar in early 2000. He mm-hmm. fell on FBI radar back in the 90s. And I'm sure you could probably find cases that go further back than that. So it's like... Why does the FBI keep dropping the ball, the cases and dropping the ball on this shit? I don't know. Maybe one day they will get it right to the full extent of the law. I just think it's bullshit that they, I feel like it's a slam dunk case against human tracking or tax evasion. If you know, he's not paying the foundation $5, like you charge him with additional it's got to be something with his plea deal. It has to be. Yeah. And I couldn't find anything out on that. I don't know that we're privy to that. Probably sealed in some indictment somewhere. <laughs> Who knows? That's all I got about Subway's Jared Fogle. Flaggle, fluggle, re- not cool person. He um, <laughs> he is sitting in jail in Littleton, Colorado. And like I said, 20, what did I say? Minimum security. Minimum security 2029 is when he will Yep. He will get out and don't eat Subway. <laughs> it smells in there. Yeah, don't eat Subway. Ooh. All right, I'm going to take it away with our weekly spotlights. First, we have Sierra J. Chapman, who was 30 years old when she was last seen on December 27th, 2022, at an Autumn Woods Drive apartment in Trotwood, Ohio. Sierra is described as a black female with black hair and brown eyes. She was approximately 5 feet 5 inches tall and weighed around 115 pounds when she went missing. Sierra's car was found on January 6th with all her belongings inside. Anyone with information is asked to call the Dayton Police Department at 937-333-2677. There is a $10,000 reward in her case. Next, we have Maria Nina Miller, who was 35 years old when she was last seen on February 5th, 2011 at the Dandy Mini Mart in Wysox, Pennsylvania. Maria is described as an Asian female with black hair and brown eyes. She was approximately 5 feet 1 inch tall and weighed around 125 pounds when she went missing. It is believed that Maria may have traveled from Pennsylvania to West Virginia with a relative. Anyone with information is asked to call their local FBI agent or American embassy. Last, we have Jason Lerrell, who was 42 years old when he was last seen on January 25, 2022, near Caps Ranches Road in Benton County, Arkansas, and County Road 1101 in Madison County, Arkansas. Jason is described as a white male with brown hair and blue eyes. 
He was approximately 5 feet 6 inches tall and weighed around 160 pounds when he went missing. Jason has a tattoo of the words cross and the date 1-11-12 below on his right forearm and a tattoo of an iron cross on the side of his right bicep. After Lyrell's disappearance, some of his belongings were recovered by law enforcement in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Benton County, Arkansas, Madison County, Arkansas, Eagle Rock, Missouri. Anyone with information is asked to call the FBI in Little Rock at 501 501- Black Hall Photography, located in the heart of Old Town Louisville, is a five-star rated photography business with over 15 years of experience. Kelly Blackall, the owner of Black Hall Photography, has a way of making anyone feel confident and comfortable in those sometimes awkward shots. She can get a wonderful photo of anyone, even those Chandler Bing clients. Kelly can capture shots that look effortless and natural while locking in beauty around. Black All Photography will handle your class portraits, engagement photos, or even that perfect political campaign headshot. Kelly has done it all and loves to get creative with her clients. If you have been on the fence about getting those updated headshots or need family photos for the holidays, reach out to Kelly and book your session today at Black All Photography on Instagram. That's B-L-A-C-K-A-L-L Photography or you can visit at blackallphotography.com. Schedule your perfect shots today, and I promise you won't be disappointed. Until next week, true crime friends, I will remain loud, bold, and out there with all I do. And you find folks, stay vigilant, be aware, and always remember what the world needs now is love, not, not hate. hate. Like, comment, share, subscribe, follow. Bye-bye.